We've got a very cool new event that the Big 12 will be hosting beginning next year. We also have Pac-12 presidents and AD speaking out in mass. What is that supposed to mean? And of course, we're getting to your guys' questions on a Thursday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day and as such. This is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Diving right in on today's show, I want to start off with what I think is going to be a really, really cool thing that the Big 12 announced that they will launch next year, and that is they're going to have what they're calling a Big 12 Combine. They're partnering uh, with the NFL to hold a conference-wide pro day next year ahead of the 2024 NFL Draft. Uh, CBS Sports reported it, and then shortly thereafter, the Big 12 put out a press release of their own. It'll be held at the Dallas Cowboys training facility in Frisco, Texas. It's known colloquially as the Star down there in Frisco. It's a gigantic facility. It's absolutely incredible to see the Ford Center, 510,000 square foot indoor practice facility within the Cowboys complex known as the Star in Frisco. All 14 schools, even Texas and Oklahoma, even though they will be exiting the uh, conference after this upcoming school year, they will be participating in this. That also means that BYU will take part. Now, uh, what this means for BYU is that their annual pro day they have held in Provo for so many years will actually go away for the time being. This will be the only pro day that BYU players coming out for next year's NFL draft will participate in. The nice part about this is they are pro, they are partnering with the NFL on this. This is not the Big 12 kind of going off and doing their own thing. They've got the NFL's blessing for this. It's an innovative new idea. I actually think it's a fascinating uh, thing because now all 32 NFL teams can send their representatives, whether they're scouts, GMs, whatever it might be, uh, directors of player personnel, all that stuff. They all can go to one central location and it gives a bigger platform for BYU players ostensibly to show out for these NFL scouts. There may be teams or a personnel decision maker for an NFL team who may skip out on coming to BYU and miss out on an athlete they may otherwise have had in some interest in. You go to this, what they're planning on doing here in Frisco, Texas next year, and it gives a ton of guys a ton of opportunities to be seen by a number of teams. This could be the first and new wave for how pro days will be held. They could be conference-wide events, uh, mini combines, if you will, for the NFL combine. It'll be very uh, intriguing to see where it ultimately shakes out. Now, uh, the bigger thing with this also is it's going to have exposure on the NFL network and NFL media platform. So it's they're building up what they're calling it's calling the Big 12 Pro Day, but I would call it the Big 12 Combine in many respects because you're going to have uh, all of the facilities there, the medical facilities get checked out uh, by team personnel. I'm sure they'll also have all the on-field drills running the 40 time, three cone drills, passing uh, uh, performances for quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, and the like. This is a really really just cool 
cool, innovative idea. And this this speaks more to what Brett Yormark is trying to do for the Big 12. He wants them to be on kind of the forefront, one of the, the leaders when it comes to innovation in the college sphere. And I, there's no reason not to. And th- there are people out there who want to denigrate what the Big 12 is and say that once Texas and Oklahoma leave it, it's going to be uh, just a bad product. You know what? Go out there and prove them wrong. That, that's the thing about this. And this gives an opportunity for these athletes to go out and do it. Uh, they're also going to have uh, the conference, which is headquartered in Dallas, will also conduct a job fair that includes career networking and development opportunities unrelated to football for Big 12 athletes in attendance. Uh, the workouts will be closed to the public, but the, they will have a Big 12 fan fest will be hosted outside of the event there in Frisco. They're trying to build this truly into a, 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 like a, a, a destination type thing. It may take some time to get some traction for fans and the like that don't live in the immediate Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area or within driving distance to attend this, but I, I for one, I'm intrigued, and I think it would be absolutely cool to go down there and be able to watch BYU's players. Now, the concern about this is, is it going to be invite-only? There are a number of guys that BYU has working out of their pro days traditionally who are fringe players at BYU at best and are trying to see if they can show with, uh, show themselves off to NFL scouts. Are they going to permit those type of players? I'm thinking of a guy like Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson came to BYU from a junior college with all kinds of promise, had a very sparing playing time at BYU, ultimately left the program, and decided he was going to transfer to Hawaii for a hot minute, then decided to come back to BYU, walked on this past season, and once again just played a bit role for BYU. But he is uh, expected to take part in Pro Day. Going into this event next year, would he be uh, allowed to work out? I sincerely hope so. I hope that any and all Big 12 athletes, uh, if they are have any aspirations of going to the NFL, will be, invi- will be allowed to participate in this. It should not be invite only. That's only a thing I would be concerned about is that they may say, you know what, we only want these five or six guys, really. We don't want the other guys coming out to this. I I hope that that is not the case. I I think it should be more inclusionary versus exclusionary, if if that makes sense to you. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I think this is a a fascinating idea. On its head, it seems like a really a no-brainer for the conference. And I'm surprised, honestly, this has not happened before now, at least to my knowledge, it has not happened before now. I know that the HBCU schools at the FCS level of hold what they call the HBCU Combine, where they allow historically black colleges and universities, their athletes, to go to one central location, work out for NFL teams. But those are a collection of different schools spread across multiple conferences. Uh, the SWAC, I think the Big South, the MEAC, some of those different uh, FCS conferences have that type of a deal. But this is the first true conference-wide pro day that will be being held. And like I said, I, I'm hopeful that it goes off without a hitch. It has a really, really good uh, showing and it offers an opportunity for Big 12 athletes and BYU football players in particular an opportunity to show what they can do to NFL uh, personnel going into the next draft cycle. It'll be really cool to see uh, as more details roll out on this where it ultimately goes, but it it goes right into what, like I said, Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, has promised. He wants the Big 12 to become a brand. Uh, wants it to be an experience in many ways for their fan bases. Now, Let's talk about a little conference that he's been tied up with, uh, uh, according to the reports. And why are so many athletic directors and university presidents from the Pac-12 suddenly speaking out? Very curious that they all are speaking out in concert at seemingly the same time. We're going to dig into that in just a moment. 
First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, I've been talking about you guys at FanDuel for some time now. The best part is the NBA season is coming down to its final stanza. The playoffs are nearly here. And also, March Madness begins today, my friends. It is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers are getting what they call a no-sweat first bet. It's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win at FanDuel. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can put out everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain and a million other seemingly uh, different prop bets out there when it comes to March Madness or the NBA or any other sport you're interested in. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay that's available to you now. So don't miss out on the chance to get your no-sweat first bet as a new customer by going to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more now. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. I want to encourage you guys, if you're listening to this early enough and the games have not tipped off, get the insider knowledge with the Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown. National analysis and the insights from our local experts. The Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown. It's everything you need to know to make the most informed decisions on your brackets. Find the episode on Locked On College Basketball or wherever you get your podcasts like this podcast feed and also available on YouTube. All right. So, if you've been paying attention to the news cycle over the past 24 to 48 hours, suddenly there are a number of, uh, I would call, decision makers or heavy hitters in the Pac-12 that have started to speak out. It began last week during the Pac-12 uh, tournament when Utah AD Mark Harlan said, give me a break, quote tweeting a report from Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports. And uh, Harlan spoke out, Arizona President uh, Robert C. Robbins, I believe is his name. Uh, yeah, and then also Arizona State President Michael Crow spoke to their student paper. We've heard comments uh, from the new Oregon president incoming to the Ducks. Essentially, all of them speaking out on the same topic. Now, Robert C. Robbins made a very interesting, uh, I guess, prediction. He says that the Pac-12 media deal will be, quote, better than the Big 12s. That's a bold statement because all the projections amongst even the I'd say the rose-coloredest of rose-colored glasses of Pac-12 Homer reporters out there believe that no matter what, the media rights deal for the Pac-12 is going to come in slightly smaller than the Big 12. Only time will tell, but it was a bold claim for Robert C. Robbins, Robert C. Robbins to say that. But he did say also that he expects a me, a, to finalize a media rights deal within the next couple of weeks, and that'll be interesting to see if they can do that. Michael C. Crow, uh, the president at uh, Arizona State, said that they're in the process of finalizing their deal. It's only going to be, uh, it's going to be egg on people's face if this takes longer than what these people keep saying, because we've heard for months and months and months that they're they're getting close. They're getting close to this. And then when that didn't happen, guess what happened? The reports started to leak out that the schools were potentially looking at other options. Robert C. Robbins did say that he has talked to Brett Yormark and other people in the Big 12 that he knows. That That's the thing about this. Uh, he says that he's the president of one of the Four Corners schools. He says, until we see a contract, though, we don't really know. But we've got a pretty good soft circle number. That's a change as well because we've been told that no numbers, at least to some reports, no numbers have been given out. So so this is a very, very crazy thing to see what's happening. Uh, there's another quote here from Robin saying, I think Brett Yormark is a heck of a salesman and Endeavor, a Hollywood agency working with the Big 12, is a good PR firm and they're working it and you, the media, are buying what they're selling. I tell Brett this all the time and I've got good friends over the years who are presidents now in the Big 12 schools. I love you guys, but if the roles were reversed, I wouldn't expect any of you to leave the Big 12 if you didn't know what deal you were getting. We're, we've got to see what deal we're getting and then I'll be able to make an informed decision. 
So you don't think you're going to leave, but you still need to see the numbers and then make an informed decision. So you're leaving the door cracked just a little bit if you're the Big 12. Now, Mark Harlan uh, came on the radio station that I work for every single day, the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, he says that in his some of his comments to Scott Mitchell and Alex Curie on Unrivals, our afternoon drive show, uh, he came out swinging. And that's the thing about this. Quote, I did that, speaking of uh, his tweet about the give me a break, because I am tired of outside forces creating narratives that involve the University of Utah and certainly our, our conference. So... Okay, Mark Harlan coming out swinging, and I, I got to give Scott Mitchell credit. Scott Mitchell, who is a Ute, Scott played at Utah. He is the Utah uh, color analyst on the radio broadcast on ESPN 700. Uh, he spoke out pretty vociferously and essentially saying the Pac-12 has just not been good, Mark, and they kind of went back and forth at it. It wasn't contentious by any means, but it was pointed back and forth on this. Now, he also said this, I've been clear all along. The other schools in our conference have been clear all along that we, we're together. We're 10. We've said it. We're working, to get, working hard with our commission to get this deal done. It's a complicated deal. There is structure and high expectations with ADs and certainly the presidents and chancellors for the commissioner to nail this thing so we can march forward. Great. I, I'm glad to hear that you, you acknowledge it's a, it's a complicated thing. But he says, because we aren't hitting certain people's expectations in time and outside forces, people start chipping away. They start creating things like four corners, whatever comes up, whatever causes clicks, whatever it might be. So yes, I read an article by a writer that I actually have great respect for in Dennis Dodd, but the article had a bunch of things that weren't true unquote. When you're in the middle of a process, there are times you need to raise your hand up and say, whoa, 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 Harlan continued. We all know it's been really difficult to manage post-LA schools leaving, but we've always had a plan, which was to work together to get a new deal. Let's go forward. Uh, okay. I, I I appreciate these guys speaking out and going on the record finally. And it feels, and I'm just saying this, I'm a conspiracy theorist, I guess in a way, I think this is the Pac-12 trying to punch back at the Big 12 after a, a deluge of reports from the Big 12 side of things saying that the Big 12 is potentially looking at expanding. There's been conversations weekly, according to what Dennis Dodd re- reported, between Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah with the Big 12. I think this is George Klyovkov and the Pac-12 now uh, trying to like, essentially throw a combo punch back at the Big 12. Where does this ultimately all pan out? Only time will tell. But Mark Harlan can say that. Well, when we don't, when when there's timelines out there that are created, you know what? You know who created the timelines? You, you, do you do you realize who created it? You did. You the ads. You the presidents. You people in the Pac-12 keep saying that it's coming soon. You are creating the artificial deadlines that people are hold, are trying to hold you to, and then it doesn't happen. You get gets kicked down the can. The can gets kicked down the road, is what I should say. I'm getting ahead of myself here as I get worked up. But the the, the thing is, they can they can punch back all they want, but they only they only have themselves to blame. This is just so funny to me that they are like acting like we're we in the media are the bad guys here. We're not the bad guys. Media are taking what you are saying, talking with people who are far more in the know than us, and doing our darndest to get the best reports out there. I had it on very, very good authority. I trust the person implicitly when it comes to stuff like this who told me that Colorado and Arizona were interested. Now, Robert C. Robbins did say that basketball in the Big 12 will be a no-brainer, but he also added, we all know that football is driving this thing. Great. Uh, he he he's speaking truth, and I think he was probably the most candid in his comments of any of these talking heads. I guess not talking heads, the the power players in the Pac-12. He was the most candid of the entire bunch, and I appreciate him being as candid as he possibly could be. But for a guy like Mark Harlan to say that people start chipping away when the, these timelines don't work out, 
guess what? Don't say we look forward to consummating a media rights deal in the very near future and then have Robert C. Robinson says, we're going to finalize this in the next few weeks. You're putting deadlines out there that if you don't meet them, guess what happens? The fan bases, the media, and other talking heads and power players in the sports start to say, hey, uh, is that happening? Do I expect the Pac-12 to stick together? I, I'm, I've said this before on this podcast. I'll say it again. I do. I think that Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and the rest of the, what the Pac-10 is right now sticks together. Robert C. Robbins did say that expansion with SMU and San Diego State is very much on the table, but he says the media rights still actually needs to get done before they go and expand, uh, contrary to some reports saying they may have to expand before they get the deal done. <laughs> They can say all of this that they want, but they really, in many ways, the, the Pac-12 only has themselves to blame. The Big 12 is being very uh, vociferous, I guess is a good term to use, about wanting to expand. And if I'm Brett Yormark, if these 10 schools are going to stick together, go and snipe San Diego State right out from underneath them. Go and get their big dog in Southern California to replace the L.A. schools and take it right off their hands. That that's if, if these 10 schools are hell bent on sticking together as it appears that they are go and get San Diego State, get yourself on the West Coast and get the 1.1 million homes in the San Diego market into your conference. Make them your West Coast anchor. Speaking of the Aztecs, I think it'd be great to have San Diego State in the Big 12. The, uh, by the way, also uh, Gonzaga, apparently, uh, according to Stuart Mandel from The Athletic, in just a few weeks, the, the Gonzaga may end up in the Big 12 as a basketball only member. Brett Yormark is doing work, folks. And I, I really feel like all of these Pac-12 uh, presidents, chancellors, in this case Mark Harlan, the AD at Utah, speaking out, I feel like it might be a little bit of an organized effort to try and punch back at some of the narrative that's been out there regarding the Big 12. But let me reiterate one more time. This is, in many ways, th this is a creation of the Pac-12's own doing. That's the thing. Brett Yormark came in and sniped their uh, their negotiating position right out from underneath him. He should go snipe San Diego State right out from underneath him once again. He has been playing chess. Well, it feels like the Pac-12 has been playing checkers. And you can consider me a, a Big 12 homer if you want. But let me reiterate one more time. I do expect the Pac-10, as it's currently constituted after the L.A. schools leave next year, to stick together and get a media rights deal done. It's a bold declaration from Robert C. Robbins to say that that deal is going to be, quote, better. Better than the Big 12s. We'll find out, but it, the, I, I don't. I don't see where the Pac-12 can come off painting the Big 12, us in the media, you the fans, as being the bad guys. This is stuff that they have created for themselves, and they've only got themselves to blame. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll round out today's show with your guys' questions. I promise we'd do it on a Thursday. It's what we've done every week for months and years now. We'll get to as many of them as we can in the time remaining on today's show. Uh, and also, I also need to talk about yet another game in BYU football history, looking back at all 155 games. And, man, this is a tough one because it involves another injury for Taysom Hill, but we'll get to all of that in just a couple of moments. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. It's the perfect time now to open a home, a low-rate home equity line of credit or a HELOC from our friends at UCCU. Over time, the value of your home goes up, and as you make payments, the balance that you owe goes down. That space in between is equity, and it's yours, my friends. 
A UCCU home equity line of credit can put that equity to work for you, like finishing your basement or yard or raising your home's value or paying off higher interest loans and getting out of debt faster or helping with college or weddings or peace of mind just knowing that you have a low rate line of credit ready for whatever and whenever. UCC will also provide you with your very own home equity visa card, giving you instant access to your equity. If you already have a home equity line with another financial institution, just refinance with UCCU and save today. To learn more or to get started on your application today, visit uccu.com or stop by any branch. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at uh, 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 Perry Homes. I screwed up that one up, but nonetheless, whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you, everybody. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to meet your needs. Perry Homes has beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. They also have multiple communities in Washington County near St. George. Perry Homes offers over 50 unique home designs from ramblers to two stories and to town even to townhomes and they have quick move-in homes available now if you're ready to move right away they also offer a generous financing incentives for their preferred lender as well so visit perryhomesutah.com to see what's new in utah's finest neighborhoods that's perryhomesutah.com to learn more now for 50 years utah has been coming home to perry homes thank you once again for making locked on cougars your first listen of the day and thank you for all of your support as always everybody now, uh, before we uh, dive into the questions, let's talk about a very uh, disappointing game in BYU football history, and that is the Utah State game in 2014. Now, many of you will recall this game. Uh, BYU was flying high. They were 4-0 on the season. They had crushed Texas. They had beat Houston. They took care of Virginia, got revenge on the Hoos. They beaten Connecticut in their season opener. But then they had to go, uh, they had to face off against Utah State on a Friday night. It's one of those games, uh, Daryl Garrettson was the quarterback back for Utah State, if you recall, his name uh, had a short run uh, at uh, Utah State before leaving the program. He passed for three touchdowns as well as 321 yards, but the tough part of this game was BYU was ranked number 18 in the country and it felt like Taysom Hill was at the peak of his power. So I remember going into this game, I'm sitting in the press box that night, and I'm sitting there like, okay, let's see what Taysom's got for Utah State, because he has just uh, been Superman in, in many respects in that season. It just was absolutely lights out. But in that game, he goes uh, out on a run, and I believe it was Brian Sweet, if I recall correctly, the safety from Utah State, uh, tackled him. It was not a dirty tackle by any means, but he broke his left leg as he tackled him. Kind of got tangled up underneath Sweet as he tried to drag him down to the ground. Uh, broke his fibula and tibia, I believe, if I recall correctly. and Season-ending injury uh, for Hill. He was scrambling right when he dragged him down. Uh, just carted to the locker room, scheduled for surgery. He's going to be out, the, the report was th- three to four months. Uh, obviously, losing Taysom Hill, absolutely devastating for BYU in this game. And really, they didn't they didn't respond well. Christian Stewart came in, uh, completed just 10 of 29 passes for 172 yards. Uh, Taysom had 131 yards, as well as uh, two touchdowns before being injured in this game. Jamal Williams added 102 yards on the ground, but no touchdowns. And BYU just seemingly almost ground to a halt. You could essentially feel the air get sucked out of the stadium that night. There was a student reporter uh, for the Daily Universe, which is BYU student newspaper, and uh, I was... (laughs) There's a friend of mine who uh, that uh, saw this and told me about it. Uh, she was uh, covering the game, doing doing her thing, but uh, he told me she sent a text to her friend: "Our season is over." 
that 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 was like the text that she sent. And I, I my buddy was sitting next to her, and she saw the the text be sent. I don't know who she sent it to, but I was like, well, in many ways that was. And we were going to see uh, how much of an impact this was going to have to lose Taysom Hill the rest of the way. And we will talk about this because Utah State it was it was twenty eight uh, fourteen at halftime, and you're like, hey, BYU's got to find something in the second half, and they just never were able to do it. Jordan Leslie had a big game, by the way, uh, four receptions for one hundred and thirty five yards. Mitch Matthews also had a fine performance, eight receptions for one hundred and seventeen yards and the one touchdown pass thrown by Taysom Hill. Uh, Christian Stewart, like I said, did his darndest but came in and was just not good. Three interceptions, like I said, 10 of 29, uh, just a shade under, a shade over, I guess, uh, 33% uh, passing. It just it really, it, it sucked all of the emotion, energy, and everything else out of BYU. And we all know the rest of the season just wasn't the same with Taysom Hill at quarterback. And it's one of those great what-ifs in BYU football history, that 2014 season in particular. There were some other ones with Taysom Hill, and we'll talk about them. But you wondered, okay, if he had stayed healthy, they had risen to 18th in the country, and it seemed like they had no limit on what they capable they were capable of doing that season. But what could have been for BYU had they been able to pull off this win? And it's all ifs and buts and candy and nuts and all that type of stuff, but they had a game at UCF the following week. Then they had a game against Boise State coming up later. Cal at the end of the year. There there were so many opportunities it felt like for BYU, despite it not being the most stellar schedule for BYU in their independent history. If Taysom Hill was healthy, it seemed like at that point in the season, a month into it, that he was uh, just off and rolling. Was going to maybe be a Heisman Trophy candidate at some point down the road. It just seemed like the, the sky was the limit. Or the ceiling was the roof, as Michael Jordan said for BYU, but just wasn't meant to be in a devastating injury for BYU as they fell to 4-1 and one on the season. And We'll talk more about that game at UCF the following week uh, here on tomorrow's podcast. But uh, before we go, let's talk about some of your guys' questions. And uh, I'm not going to get to all of them today. Actually, you guys responded in mass this week. So we'll get to some of these on tomorrow's podcast. May even have to pull some over to next week. But some interesting ones here. So first one, uh, the underscore Josh Glenn saying, I saw your tweet on the possibility of a BYU equestrian team in the future along with wrestling. Are those the two most likely sports BYU would add if they expanded their sports programs? If not those two, then what would be most likely? And the reason why I tweeted what I tweeted, and you can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter, is because the the Big 12 announced they're having their equestrian championships. And equestrian seems like a sport that fits BYU. I know the reputation of BYU, a bunch of rich white kids, we, we get the rep for BYU. Equestrian would be a very natural one, I think, if BYU was willing to invest in it. They'd obviously have to find a paddock and obviously land... Uh, for these uh, riders to tr- to train on, but there are a number of horse farms around here. I'm actually related to a horse trainer myself. Doesn't do equestrian per se, but you can probably make it happen. And the thing about it is, what I also mentioned that wrestling in there is that a lot of people want to see BYU wrestling come back. It had a great run. It was uh, it was done away with due to Title IX constrictions, if I recall correctly, and. Uh, I'd like to see wrestling back because the Big 12 is a very, very proud wrestling conference. Now, to do that, you obviously, like I said, have to deal with uh, Title IX uh, regulations, and Equestria might help balance that out. Another sport I would be interested in BYU adding, I know it's a cold-weather school in theory, but beach volleyball. BYU already has men's and women's volleyball. Why are you not doing beach volleyball? I know you'd have to build a, a sand pit or whatever to train in and that type of stuff, and uh, we all know that there's two-piece swimsuits for females. That, that that stuff can be worked around, I think, for BYU if 
they were interested in doing that. Beach volleyball seems like a very natural one if BYU wanted to extend out their volleyball reach. Uh, there are other sports out there, uh, but the biggest thing is for BYU is you've got to balance Title IX. And that, that's the big reason why wrestling's not in BYU's repertoire right now. And it might be something they look at down the road. But obviously, it, it, I, that was like a pie in the sky years and years down the road uh, type deal. All right. Uh, next one coming in here. Garrett at SF Garrett says, Any chance BYU upgrades the outside of Lavelle Edwards Stadium someday so it doesn't just look like four separate concrete bleachers? It's a great question, Garrett, and I would love to see them put a facade on it. But my question also is, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, or what was Cougar Stadium, was built in 1960. That is a long time. It's been 63 years since the original foundations were poured and built and all that type of stuff. It opened in 1960. It's been built uh, before that. But regardless, 63 years is a long time for a stadium. How long does BYU truly want to go with LES in its current configuration? Will they tear it down and rebuild it? Will they build maybe a new stadium on that Provo Highland at some point down the road? That is the question I think needs to be answered. But I, for one, Garrett, if they're going to stick with LES for the time being and retrofit it, put a facade on the outside. I'd love nothing more than to see that. Uh, TK Brown at Trent Brown Cook says, your prediction on when the back 12 comes to a media agreement. Uh, we hear a proposal is near, but then internal discussions and the signing of a deal and grant of rights must happen. I think it may get very sticky as everybody is already unsettled. Well, TK Brown, I, I think you kind of have the same thought I have. I, I think I expanded a lot on this uh, w- earlier on in today's show, but I don't know. Like I said, they kind of created their own deadlines in many ways, and we'll find out. But they need to get a deal done. That's the thing. About. They're they're in like the the ten o'clock hour, uh, figuratively, with regards to their media rights negotiations. N- negotiations. They have got to get the deal done. They got to get signed, still delivered, get a grant of rights, whatever you have to do. They've got to get it done to settle, as you mentioned, just settle down things. That's the thing about this. They they can speak out in mass and say that uh, there's false narratives being thrown out. Blah, 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 blah. You can say everything you want to say, but guess what? The simple fact of the matter is the Big 12 has secured their future. Meanwhile, you guys are over here still trying to figure out what you're going to do. That is the big question. All right, uh, one other question uh, before we call it a night uh, on today or a day on today's show. I'm recording this at night. Uh, you probably can see I'm dressed up. I actually just came from a high school banquet honoring uh, high school uh, athletes, basketball players in particular, at John Watson Chevrolet in Ogden, but one final question here. Uh, this comes in from Jordan, uh, no, excuse me, uh, Aggie fan Dan. Uh, Jordan Kennard, I'm, yours is, uh, Jordan, I'm going to get to yours. I need to think about yours just a little bit longer, but we'll get to yours uh, here. But Aggie fan Dan, our good friend, the Utah State fan that likes to weigh in. Twitter polls and spring football can at least wait until after March Madness. That's all I'm seeing on my timeline from BYU fans. Who are you rooting for in March Madness, West Coast Conference or Big 12 contenders? How about both? I, I think Gonzaga is capable of making a run if they have their offense in gear. I think that I have Houston winning it all. So I guess I have a future Big 12 member winning the conference. I'll, I'll tell you right now. If you want to go sign up, if you're listening to this early enough, uh, you can go to kslsports.com and enter our uh, Bracket Mayhem Challenge, win some uh, uh, prizes, that type of stuff, and compete against uh, me and other KSL sports personalities head-to-head. But I, I've got Houston winning it all. I think Gonzaga's capable of making a deep run. I think Utah State could actually could make it to the Sweet 16 if things bounce the right way. That Arizona matchup potentially in the round of t- 32 for uh, USU is very tough, I think, but Utah State, when they're playing at the peak of their powers, is very, very tough to take down. It'd be an interesting matchup to see them against Arizona, but it's the best time of year. It's March Madness, my friend, so let's all enjoy it. Uh, obviously, looking forward to seeing all the madness go down, and we'll find out what happens. Now, a little bit over time here, but I do need to take a minute and uh, express some 
uh, condolences, some thoughts, and just my prayers uh, just go out to the the family of Dirk Facer. And uh, I know that Dirk is uh, a, was a Utah beat writer for the Deseret News for many, many years. But the one thing about Dirk, more than anything else, is he was a friend. And I, I'm a quote-unquote Johnny-come-lately-to-the-media game amongst guys like Dirk who have been in the business for decades before I showed up on the scene. But Dirk treated me as an equal the second I showed up on the media scene. I'd never talked to him before. I, I still remember the first time I talked to him. He said, Jake, I, I hear you're the new producer for DJ and PK. And he told me some really fun stories about his time working alongside PK and covering the Utes, his interactions with David James. And things like that mean the world to me because... When, when you break into a field like I, I've broken into, there are good people out there. And they don't come better than Dirk Facer. And I, I, lest I get too emotional about this, it's very sad to hear that he passed away. Uh, he was waiting for a kidney transplant and didn't come. He was in the ICU apparently for a couple of days. His son Austin, who has worked in the media sphere for some time as well, uh, broke the news on social media. said that They said goodbye after two days in the intensive care unit and... Just, it's really sad because, like I said, Dirk, he wasn't a BYU guy, so to say. But the one thing I always appreciated about Dirk is there was never a, a an unkind word or a, a mean-spirited comment that came out of him. Always positive, always building up people, always saying good things. And the best part about Dirk, I will always remember, he was quick with a joke. And he always, always was a friend. And so... Uh, it's a BYU podcast. I get that. I'm talking about a Utah writer, but the the media sphere. We're all pretty interconnected, honestly. I, I know pretty much everybody in the market here in Utah, and we've got a connection to them one way or the other. Either having worked together, worked alongside them, and and Dirk was no different. So, uh, just want to wish uh, my my thoughts, prayers, and condolences. Want to express those to the Facer family at this time. Uh, it's just. It's always sad to lose a loved one, especially a patriarch, a father like Dirk was. He's just he's like he's just one of the good ones out there. There are a lot of people that in this business aren't necessarily as as I don't know as they aren't what they seem like they are. But Dirk was everything he seemed like he was and more. He was just a great great human being and gone far too soon. So uh, rest in peace, Dirk. We love you and uh, wish you and your family nothing but the best. And uh, as, as I'm fond of saying, God be with you till we meet again. All right. So there you go. That'll do it for today's show. A big thank you for your support. As always, uh, this has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. Have a good day.